huge misconception about all of this. Exactly what you said, that, you know, our abs shouldn't be too tight for delivery. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that from so many people. My pelvic floor shouldn't be too tight. And yet we're all obsessed with Kegels, which are all about squeezing tight. And, and our perception about abs is having them rock solid and locked down. And, and so much of the core and pelvic floor work that is beneficial during pregnancy is is not about tightening everything. It's actually quite about the opposite. It's about learning how to relax everything. Basically, it's about learning awareness of your pelvic floor and your core and how to control them and how to, you know, they're all muscles and all muscles fully lengthen and they fully contract. And we need to understand how to make that full range happen in these muscles that we otherwise don't really think about that, that often. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Hartwell personal trainer, movement coach, and yoga teacher. Welcome to the Move Your Soul podcast. This is your place for mind and body empowerment for long-term well-being. Interviewing renowned experts in the field, we'll learn together about the most up-to-date, relevant, and thought-provoking insight into movement and mindfulness techniques. From the gym, to the yoga mat, to out on an adventure, and most importantly, your everyday life. We'll explore best kept practices to help you to sustain a healthy and happy mind and body. I invite you to explore a more conscious way of moving and thinking with me. Tap into what moves your soul on a daily basis and feel incredible, not just for stay, but for life. Okay, so welcome Zoe Shelley. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, Move Your Soul. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, how are you doing today? I am very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to get into our chat. Um, so Zoe is an incredible, not only friend of mine, but she's an amazing personal trainer. Um, she's got these like crazy qualifications, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach and CrossFit qualified and TRX qualified. She's also a yoga teacher and she's qualified with her 200 hour training. So she's got incredible, incredible knowledge. She's also the author of Training for Two, which I have read as a pregnant woman. It's an incredible ebook, couldn't recommend it highly enough. And um, she's also providing um, pregnancy training packages. So lots and lots of stuff going on with lovely Zoe. Um, anything to add to that? Um, not really, no. Um, just to say, I mean, I've how long have I been a personal trainer now? God, it must be about eight years now. God, I haven't thought about that in so long. Time has flown. It's about eight years. And I had my, my first son in 2018. Uh, a few years ago and it was when I got pregnant with him much like how I think you're discovering now when you get pregnant you suddenly have so many questions so many questions and um, with the the minimal training I had in prenatal exercise postpartum exercise um, you know the more I dug for answers the more I realized I didn't know um, and how much there was to find out about the subject. And that's what's kind of steered my um, uh, my work more towards the pregnant and postpartum community. Um, not that I don't train people who are not pregnant, um, but it's just obviously very relevant to my life now. I'm pregnant with the second kid. Um, and so it's quite all-consuming. So that's kind of where I am. Yeah. And I think I, the thing I love about your training is it makes it so much more accessible. And it's one of those things which we're going to go into a lot more detail. And um, the main thing we're going to be t obviously discussing is training through pregnancy and post pregnancy. And yeah, I even even from me as I'm 18 weeks now. And um, even from me as a personal trainer, I said to you before I did quite a, um, a pre and postnatal qualification, but I didn't really still feel like I knew all of the questions, you know, the answers to the questions that I had. And so it's been really nice to be able to follow your ebook and your um, your video bundle to just kind of feel really safe in my training. But what I really do um, admire you for is that you really have that motivation and really inspire other people to keep training, to feel strong. Mm -hmm. And it's not just what we hear from, you know, everybody else that tells us to rest and you can find yourself in a bit of limbo being like, well, I still want to feel fit and strong, but everyone tells me to rest. So, you know, it's that weird balance between feeling like you're being lazy and then actually resting mm. but also feeling feeling good so I'm I really appreciate that as a pregnant person myself oh, um, I'm glad 
But uh, yeah, so we've got a few questions we want to get into, and I'm just really excited for you to just share just some myth busting and just kind of help people in our same position, whether perhaps you're pregnant now or you've had a baby postpartum and you're just, I don't know, searching for a little bit more direction uh, in terms of your training journey. Um, Mm -hmm. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is what was your biggest learning about training through your pre and postnatal journey? Oh God, there's so much. Yeah, Um, a mean question to be honest. (laughs) um I, I, I definitely first and foremost is just but this applies to anything you know when you start to learn about something you realize just how much there is that you don't know and not just me personally but the fitness industry as a whole I mean the sort of um information about women's health and women's training specifically during these times is is relatively new to the fitness industry. I mean, so if you have a trainer who's been around for say 15, 20 years and hasn't done any any new qualifications in this area and isn't a niche trainer in in this particular community, um, they wouldn't really have had exposure to it. Um, You know, so there's a huge learning curve that needs to happen in the fitness industry as a whole. Um, And... I really want to be a part of that. I think it's so important. You know, this group of of women, um, they're not a special population. They're not, you know, well, let's get a special qualification to deal with them. 50% of us are female. And it's something like, don't quote me on this, but it's something like 80% of women will have a child at some point in their life. So you think about, there are probably a slightly higher percentage of women who come for PT for training. Um, as trainers, we're going to see a lot of women who are either pregnant or postpartum. But yes, pregnancy is is temporary, but something I learned um, in one of the qualifications I did, which I thought has really stayed with me, is pregnancy is, is temporary, but postpartum is forever. You are forever changed physically by carrying a child and delivering a child, raising a child. Um, and those considerations need to be taken into account by the fitness community. Um, so this big hole of knowledge was something that I, I learned. Um, and just, I think, the world of pelvic floor health and core health, I think, was the biggest revelation to me. Because pre-learning about all of this, I, I was like, I think most women who think pelvic floor Kegels. That was kind of the extent of it. And I thought I was covered. You know, I was like, I know what a Kegel is. I think I know how to do them. Squeeze everything tight every now and again, and, and that'll keep everything down there nice and healthy. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and then uh, tied very closely to that is, is core health. and The very different way that you need to train your core during pregnancy than what most people consider core training. And it's sort of educating on that difference and the importance of it um yeah they're probably the biggest things but I mean just just everything about it is is there's so much (laughs) if I had to pick it's pretty big and I think that that is we'll touch on the myths that we've kind of heard about as well later on but um I I think even from my perspective is because I, I've never, I, I, you know what you were like, you're kind of like, oh, I'm never really going to know if you're going to have a baby. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm having a baby. So all of a sudden your, your interest is picked in this sort of dimension. And I think before that, people would like flippantly say these comments like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing core. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. I was and told I think- that so many times in my first pregnancy. Stop training your core. Stop training it completely, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> don't, do, don't do abs. Yeah, and, and that's what commas. I think it's a sad thing and that's what um particularly what I'm finding out lots more through this process is that idea of prevention as much as you can rather than treatment afterwards and that has a lot to do with how you're breathing your pelvic floor and your core I did um funnily enough did your core and pelvic floor video this morning and um brilliant 
it was so great because I what I love that you said about it you were like if you only do one thing then this should be your thing your breath work your core and your pelvic floor work and mm. I think actually in my head as a pregnant woman it's kind of been easier for me to be like okay I'm training my legs because um, I need I, the, the need is obvious for me to be like taking my bump around and baby around eventually but in terms of core it's almost easier and it's, it's definitely easier to not train it, isn't it? And be like, well, people say you shouldn't be too tight and whatever. And I think it's easy to fall into that trap of not really connecting. And I think the way that you coach the breath work and the pelvic floor is a way that I've not really thought that I had to think about it before, even though mm. technically as humans, we all should mm. have that. And, and I think that's a, a huge misconception about all of this. Exactly what you said, that, you know, our abs shouldn't be too tight for delivery. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that from so many people. My pelvic floor shouldn't be too tight. And yet we're all obsessed with Kegels, which are all about squeezing tight. And, and our perception about abs is having them rock solid and locked down. And, and so much of the core and pelvic floor work that is beneficial during pregnancy is is not about tightening everything. It's actually quite about the opposite. It's about learning how to relax everything. Basically, it's about learning awareness of your pelvic floor and your core and how to control them and how to, you know, they're all muscles and all muscles fully lengthen and they fully contract. And we need to understand how to make that full range happen in these muscles that we otherwise don't really think about that that often. Um, so yeah, fantastic that you're doing it. Mm, oh, I'm loving it. Thank you. Um, it's also just quite nice because I think sometimes we get a bit carried away with core and thinking, oh gosh, you know, I have to devote this whole massive session, but the session wasn't like crazy long. And you were saying like, you could literally take pockets of this breath work, pockets of that exercise and just try and integrate that to make that a habit in your day to day. And um, well, ex exactly. Like a lot of, <laughs> So it, what you said earlier about, you know, a lot of the work during pregnancy is about prevention. Um, you know, it, it's, it's limiting damage to our bodies during pregnancy so that we don't have lots of work to fix ourselves postpartum. And yes, there is to some, and I, I'm very cautious not to scaremonger here, there is some damage that we can do to our bodies unconsciously when we're exercising. Exercise is what, 30 minutes a day, maybe an hour a day if we do a lot of exercise. What we do in the other 23 hours of the day is also hugely important. So knowing the things to be aware of when you get up off the sofa, when you get out of bed, when you stand up off the toilet, there are behaviors and um, uh, ways of moving and breathing that apply to all of those instances. Um, and they probably have a much more profound effect than making sure you're breathing right when you're doing your workout or are you doing your core exercise it's just understanding really what's going on with your body so that no matter what you're doing you're looking after it as best you can yeah and I like the way that you're you talk a lot about protecting the mother and obviously it goes without saying that we want to look after the baby and actually all the a lot of the scaremongering we hear is about damage to the baby but I've said I've heard it from you I've heard it from multiple people like really you have to have something quite catastrophic happen to your abdominal area for something to happen to the baby so all of these exercises that we think oh you know is it too much my crunching down on the baby is actually yeah. more about you it's not about the baby per se yeah I mean I I'll, I'll put it out there that this is always a very risky thing to say when I'm about to say it because I feel like there's always someone who's going to say some smart Alec comment but there isn't an exercise that is going to hurt your baby you know you have these lists of safe exercises and not safe exercises and and they they really frustrate me because the not safe list I feel always especially in pregnancy warrants an explanation why what is the reason that this exercise has been put on this list and normally the reason is because it will aggravate something in the mum's body long term or other reasons I have never never seen an, one of these exercises in the not safe list there because it will hurt the baby because you can't hurt a baby when you exercise unless you drop a 200 kilo barbell on your 
belly, for example. But that's a common sense thing that you would not want to do even when you weren't pregnant, because that would cause you considerable harm then as well. Um, obviously, you have to apply common sense to pregnancy. You're, you don't want to do anything where you're going to going to have blunt trauma to your belly. But a sit up is not going to squash. If a sit up was going to hurt your baby, and I know there are plenty of women who think that doing ab work will squash their bit. If it says I'm hurt for your baby, you literally wouldn't be able to get up off the floor during pregnancy. You wouldn't be able to get out of the chair or a comfy sofa. Um, you know, our bodies are very good at protecting and looking after these little babies. Um, but we have this history of, you know, well-meaning inherited wisdoms of wrapping mums in cotton wool and so I understand why exercise can seem very scary for some women. I totally understand it. Um, but yeah, I, I wish more people would understand that it's not going to hurt the baby. Yeah, and I think that kind of leads us quite nicely onto a question we were going to touch on is that kind of generic advice that we hear and that you know a lot of personal trainers are giving um mm. and then you were just saying it's more about that kind of conscious awareness of what we're doing when we move not about the individual exercises like what you're saying in terms of like you can't exactly do this, you can't do exactly it's not it's really as far as I'm concerned exercise during pregnancy it's not about what you do it's about how you do it and what you do will be completely dependent on you individually. So, for example, there are some women who will be able to plank all the way up pretty much to their due date. And they will not show any signs of doming and they'll be able to control their core. There'll be other women who, at the beginning of the second trimester, will see some quite serious doming or some strange pulling or sagging in their core. And for them, that doesn't make sense for them to continue to do it. So. What you do is very individual, but it's more about how do I do this in a way that makes sense so that long term, I have the best health and the best success in recovery. Um, and you don't know how to do that. No one knows how to do that unless they understand what's happening with their body. And that's where there's this hole in, in, in the fitness industry where there aren't many people who are talking about what happens in a diastasis? I there are there's a niche group of people doing absolutely incredible work, so I don't want to discount their efforts. But it needs the voice needs to be louder. Um, you know what is happening to our pelvic floor? How does running impact that? All these sorts of things. Um, I've gone off on a tangent. I can't remember what the question was. No, it's fine. It was actually a very specific question. But it does, I think it does lead us quite nicely to that, the, the idea of myths around training when you're pregnant. Yeah. Those kind of things that we hear a lot about. So things like the heart rate and do what you've always done, listen to your body. Mm. Um, so those, those are quite things we hear a lot of. So um, the heart rate thing I'll do very quickly. The heart rate thing is... is um, outdated information so about 40 years ago 30 40 years ago there was a recommendation that said keep your heart rate under 140 beats per minute based on at the time very little information and most of that information was from animal studies not human um, since then that recommendation has been uh, quashed and uh, the recommendation is now to work on a rate of perceived exertion so that's me saying to you kim how hard do you feel you're working on a scale of one to ten and for a pregnant woman, moderate intensity, which is where we're told to exercise, is around a 7 out of 10. So if you feel like you're huffing and puffing at a 9 or a 10, you need to bring it down a bit. And if you're very casual and relaxed <laughs> about how you feel, then maybe you can put some more effort into it. Um, I like to use the expression, um, you can talk, but you can't sing. So a lot, of, a lot of people say, use the talk test, so can you talk? But I mean, we're talking now. And I'm absolutely not exercising. So I think it, it, it gives people the sense that they can do very, very little yeah. and they're at moderate intensity, which is why I add the, but you can't, couldn't necessarily sing a tune. You know, you can get your, your heart rate up. You can be out of breath when you're pregnant. That will not hurt you. Um, but it's just finding that, that seven out of 10 somewhere. Um, so that's the heart rate thing. The, the do what you've always done is, the standard advice 
that most trainers give people when they become pregnant. It's what I 100% gave people when I started out as a trainer. I remember one of my first jobs was teaching reformer Pilates classes. I had no, firstly, no Pilates training, which is hysterical. And I had zero prenatal training. And a pregnant woman walked in to the class. And it was maybe my second or third week. So I was still getting used to teaching a class of people. Oh, my God. A pregnant woman walked in. And I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God. I, what do I do? I don't even know how to model hair exercises. You know, trainers, when they start out, they're not given this information. It's not part of general training to be a trainer. And, and I just sort of blurted out, just do what you've always done and take it easy and don't do core stuff. And I, you know, if you feel funny, just stop anything. Hmm. And I just prayed that she got through the class and everything was fine. And of course, of course she was fine. Um, but the, the do what you've always done thing, I understand why, where it comes from. But, Telling women just that does them a bit of a disservice because you've never been pregnant before. Your body's never grown a baby before. That's a massive change. So why on earth when your body's going through something completely new and completely insanely different, would you do the same stuff you've always done? There must surely be different considerations to take into account. Um, like your pelvic floor, like your core. So if, if I give an example with myself, in my first pregnancy, I um, did what I always did and listened to my body. For the most part, it was, you know, I was beginning to get into this world and I was learning a lot more and I was applying different things to my training. But for most of my first pregnancy, I was do what you've always done, listen to your body. And so I ran well into my third trimester because I'm not a runner, like I would never go for a 5k or 10k, you know this, I hate running. But in, in within workouts, I would do, um, you know, a, a, a circuit. And in that circuit, one of the things was a 400 meter run. I mean, it didn't look like a run when I was in my third trimester, it was a sort of fast waddle. But it was, you know, an attempt at running. And it felt great. Um, I felt good doing it. Uh, I didn't have any weird symptoms when I did it. And um, so I thought, cool, this must be really good for me. Um, or, you know, there's no problem here. Um, and towards the end of my third trimester, I would start getting those pee sneezes. I don't know if you've had any of those yet in your pregnancy, um, where you, you sneeze and a little bit of pee comes out and you're like, oh, that's weird, but oh, that must just be a pregnancy thing. And then... After I delivered, I had a vaginal birth. Um, I it was a good. Oh, it's hard to remember now. At least six months before that stopped happening, and I was doing quite a lot of core and pelvic floor conscious work rehab to work on that. And I remember we went on holiday when my son was about eight weeks old, and I got on a trampoline. Oh my God, I did two bounces. I went, whoa, sit down, no more bouncing, absolutely no more bouncing, because I was literally about to pee my pants fully. And what what I now understand has been happening was that, so your pelvic floor muscles are what hold everything in, right? They're also what control pee and poop and the release of that out of your body. So you start growing a bowling ball on top of them during pregnancy as the pregnancy progresses, they're going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so heavy. And they're getting pretty stressed out, right? But they, they're doing the best they can to do their job. If you then add running onto that or high-impact exercises or considerably heavy weightlifting, which I was also doing, which all of which adds a lot, a lot more stress and pressure onto the pelvic floor, um, you're adding stress to an already stressed system and kind of further weakening it when do you really need to no did I need to do those runs no did I need to lift as heavy as I was lifting no but it felt good at the time and I'd always done that before so why not and you know I didn't have a, a particularly bad case of incontinence um and yes it has resolved itself now um and that's all fine but I wish I hadn't had to go through that at all. And I didn't need to. And I think if I'd taken some small actions, like 
just take those runs out of your workouts, just bring the weight down a little bit. And I could have saved myself quite a bit of hassle postpartum. And there's enough on your plate postpartum than worrying about pee sneezing and breath work and fixing your pelvic floor. Um, so that's just an example of where um, listen to your body and do what you've always done. It, people mean well when they say that, but there's a lot more to it. It's not just as simple as that. Yeah, and I like the way... That was so rambly. <laughs> no, I loved it. It really was perfect. And um, I like the way that you said the other day, you were like, there's this like pendulum of listen to your body where do what you've always done means that you actually were not training very much at all and do what you've always done. I do ultra marathons and you need that kind of part in the middle um, where you're being aware of what is happening and you're trying to manage things like intra-abdominal pressure and your pelvic floor. But, you know, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were just like, you need to train. This is a good time to train. You can make progressions. It's not the time you're going to be doing your you know, personal best, but it's the time where you need to feel really strong in your body, especially in things like your legs. And so if it's something that you've always, if you've always done not very much training, I agree that you shouldn't go hell for leather and go into like some crazy programming, but um, it would be a good idea to be moving about with your body, getting the walks in, getting in some, some sort of training, even if you're just using. Absolutely. And that's another huge myth around pregnancy. The, um, don't start anything new that you've not done before, which is, is kind of, you know, trying to accommodate to this lowest common denominator of let's, let's make the safest statement we possibly can, which is if someone's never done exercise, the chances that they do something daft and injure themselves are probably higher. Sure. But just be smart about starting something new. Go slowly find someone to help you you know if you've never been to the gym before but you want to go find a trainer who can work with you um I know having a trainer is a bit of a luxury and it's expensive there's plenty of online resources that you can go to like the bundle I've got um for pregnancy there's lots of lots and lots of things out there um get expert advice it's actually now again but it's buried the recommendations are to start exercise if you haven't exercised before but people don't hear that all they hear is what they've heard for, for decades which is don't do anything new oh my god don't do anything new um just be smart about it you absolutely can you, you you're seeing medical professionals more regularly than you ever have in your entire life check with them if you're unsure um but absolutely get into an exercise routine i mean what's recommended for pregnant women is 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise every single week, which is about 25, 30 minutes a day. Um, and something shocking like 20% of women are actually getting anywhere near that. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really. And I think, you know, I get it. Like, if you're having like the horrendous pregnancy where you feel like rough as rats and like, you know, you've, you've got sickness or anything like that going on, we're not saying you know, you should be doing like this, like crazy amounts of exercise and feeling miserable doing it. But if you're feeling quite well in yourself, you're not feeling completely overexerted and exhausted from all the other things that you're doing, then absolutely. And um, yeah, I think the other thing that you've been very adamant with me about, and probably the <laughs> is about getting a pelvic floor specialist. Yes. Uh, a pelvic floor physio is something I didn't even know existed until I got pregnant. Um, but it is so important. There's so much going on down there that we don't know about, um, that we can't possibly know about unless you have an expert asking questions and have a look basically. Um, and I say to all my clients at some point in pregnancy, just go and get a checkup just so firstly to get a baseline of where you are for comparison after you've delivered, but just to check, you know, is there stuff going on there that maybe we need to keep an eye on, that we need to work on, that we need to, that will help us in delivery if we're aware of now. Um, it's a fascinating world of vaginas. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, and we need these people in our life. They're, they're another hole in the sort of women's health puzzle um, that's missing at the moment that is, is just so important for our long-term health. So yeah, I say to all my clients, at some point in pregnancy, 
um, go and see someone and they may say you need to come back regularly up until delivery um, or they may say I've told you enough you know enough to look after yourself until delivery and then once you've had your six-week checkup from the doctor which is normally when people go woohoo I'm doing exercise the doctor's okayed me um, don't please go and see a pelvic floor physio first and they will give you the actual green light to go and exercise and um, I mean personally after the birth of my son, when I went for my six-week checkup, um, my doctor didn't didn't ask anything about what was going on in my body, uh, pelvic floor-wise, core-wise, any of that. It's not their job. Like, you know, they don't have long, their, their main interest is, is the baby okay? Are you vaguely okay and alive? Good, off you go. Um, it's not their area of expertise, core and pelvic floor health. But there are things that can happen during pregnancy and especially during the birth that can be exacerbated if we don't let them heal and recover properly and we launch straight back into exercise. And the only person who can tell you that is a pelvic floor physio. So you should go and see them. Yeah. And I like the point you said about knowing what your, um, knowing what your baseline is because even a physio I was speaking to the other day she was like some people have a gap to begin with and then you're chasing this endless I want to close the gap um mm -hmm. in the abdominal wall and you you always had a gap in the first place so you kind of chase exactly this uh perfection that doesn't exist um I find that part quite interesting um because you were telling, saying to me about it needing to be dynamic, uh, the way that your abdominal wall kind of opens and closes rather than, I, and I will put my hand up and say, like, this is not really my area of expertise at all. Um, I find that quite interesting how um, you have to be aware that it's not just about being able to close the gap, is it? It's about when you're training, having that dynamic control over you probably have a better way of saying this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, this we're talking about now, um, for those who don't know about uh, diastasis, which is, which is a completely natural separation of the abdominal wall down the, the center, the midline of your belly. So from your sternum, sort of down towards your pubic bone. Um, and 100% of women by full term will have some degree of separation. We have to, we're growing a massive baby. Something needs to give um, to make space it doesn't hurt there's not like this this sort of ripping or cracking sensation at some point during pregnancy which I know some women are sort of waiting for with terror um, it's a it's a very gradual um, widening and thinning of the tissue that runs down the middle um, of the belly it's normal it is expected so if you see it and what you'll probably see the way you you know it's happening is if you lie back in a chair and then you, you try and sit up without sort of trying to manage the pressure inside you. It's almost like you see a little ridge of mountains, like a little Toblerone bar down the middle of your tummy, just kind of poking out. And that's called doming or coning. Um, and basically, it's kind of your innards pushing out a bit into that gap. Um, it sounds more gross than it is. Um, and it only becomes a problem when it doesn't heal after birth, after I think it's around eight weeks, um, eight to 10 weeks, but this is so variable from, from woman to woman. Um, and there's so much that, that goes into this, but basically in order to move around, we need to create pressure inside our abdominal cavity. It's what allows us to like contract our muscles and locomote to move. Um, if this, this tissue down the middle is very thin and we cannot create tension across it, we lose functionality. Um, so someone said to me the other day, like, oh, you, you don't want to get a diastasis because it hurts, right? And then when you have other babies, it hurts. And it's not about that. It, for some women, for most women, it won't hurt in inverted commas, but it's just functionally not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to create tension throughout our entire core. Um, and again, creating tension isn't about gripping tight and holding everything in and bracing and, and, and being rock solid. It's about learning how to expand and contract these muscles in coordination with our breath, in coordination with our movement, in order to bring everything back together. And it's, it's 
God, it's so difficult to put this all into one <laughs> concise answer. Um, but this is one of the things that I think a lot of women know about. They hear about diastasis. Um, but that's kind of it. They're like, well, my abs separate. Now what? Yeah. You know? And there's a whole world of um, diastasis that of education that needs to filter into the fitness industry, that needs to filter into women's lives that isn't around freaking out which I think a lot of people do they get so scared of it because they think oh my god my abs are going to separate and my, my stomach's going to look awful for the rest of my life and blah, blah. um it, it shouldn't that shouldn't be the approach um we just need to build way more awareness <laughs> way more awareness in this area and that kind of goes full circle, doesn't it, in terms of what we're talking about with this preventative rather than the treatment? Because like you've said to me before, there are some things that will just happen, perhaps they'll happen in labor and you'll they'll out of your control and you know, there'll be some effects that last from it. But for a lot of the cases you were saying, and it is it's something that's actually frustrating me as I learn more and more about it, um, kind of getting reading all the books. There's a book called Why Wasn't I Told How to Protect Myself? And that's mm-hmm. that kind of of even that title for me I was just like mate I'm going to read it because it's it's one of those things that's wildly un- misunderstood and brushed under the carpet like a lot of female health we spoke about the other day in terms of periods it's all very on low like guys don't know about tampons and all this sort of stuff and I think what we said as well is that really if you're going to the GP and they're saying okay, six weeks off you trot. And then your first line of defense is going to a PT who is not qualified. Usually, really, there's quite a lot of male dominance in the PT world. So they, it's not really in their kind of interests or I don't know, they're not specialists um, in that area. And that's when we have the problems and that's where things like incontinence happen. And it is brushed under the carpet as either funny or, um, mm-hmm. or you know, just something that happens. And... I would put my hand up and say, yeah, I just thought that that was just like an un, you know, unglamorous effect of giving birth. But you said quite a lot of the time, a lot of this training that we're talking about right now, particularly with breath work, particularly with pelvic floor work, um, and even to the point where you're training your legs to be strong enough, like that can all help in terms of pelvic girdle pain, in terms of um, incontinence and all of these things that we just think are the norm they're just really frequent you said like they're super common but that doesn't mean that they're the norm right exactly there it's it's incontinence is very common but it is not normal following childbirth um and it's sadly something that a lot of women just accept as well this is it now mum so when I jump or laugh or cough or sneeze or stand up too fast I'm just gonna pee a bit um and it's it's (laughs) or sometimes almost worn as a badge of honor um especially in in crossfit gyms where i spend a lot of time i, I love crossfit but there it's oh double unders oh, all the mums gonna be sitting in a puddle after this workout ha, 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 ha. and on the one hand you know i think it's great that we're open enough that we can talk about that at least um but i think the conversation has to shift to Yes, that happens as a result of pregnancy and childbirth, but it does not have to stay that way. These things can be fixed. And women live with these problems for decades, not understanding that there is help out there for them. Pelvic floor physios. (laughs) Pelvic floor physios are the answer. That's where you need to go. You just need to go and see a pelvic floor physio. This is their jam. Yeah. And it's not, and that's the thing that that I'm very conscious, you know, we need to stay in our lanes to some extent. And your personal trainer is not a pelvic floor physio. Um, and they are not experts in it they can guide you and they should definitely refer you out um, but don't mistake um, thinking what well, I have a trainer for they're looking after my core and pelvic floor ah. completely yeah I think that's huge and I think much of what we we definitely preach together as PTs is just that empowering yourself through knowledge and it's when you go to someone like a pelvic floor specialist they can go okay this is exactly what is happening and they'll give you specific exercises or a specific direction for your body specifically and Mm. probably explain you can ask them questions you can really start to understand what is going on down there which you've said it's really Mm. hard to know otherwise and through that empowerment you'll then be more motivated to do all of these other things and you know 
we're sitting here telling you that even though it's not necessarily it's becoming a much more of a done thing in our industry but you said like this stuff we're finding uh, this stuff is coming out as quite relatively new compared Mm. to what we've always known and sticking to what we've always done but sticking to what we've always done hasn't prevented our bodies Mm. from the damage that we can we can prevent and and the the most useful relationships I've found is when clients see physios and then either the physio directly talks to me or the client relays what the physio has said so that I can then understand properly what's happening with them and then tailor what I'm doing with them appropriately um they're the clients that see the quickest results and the most progress um because everybody's on board with the same information we're not guessing about what's happening to your vagina yeah (laughs) basically Ah, absolutely I think that it's just that also just you know knowing what's going on specifically with your body but also knowing that there's much more up-to-date research on this sort of thing and we don't need to just keep going back to you know old-fashioned ways um because we are finding out new new ways and they are important like i think you said the other day and i thought i remember learning that in my pregnancy um pre and postnatal is that after a while you're told not to hinge at your oh hip. my god at 20 weeks stop hip hinging i still it makes my blood boil it makes me want to go to the board of that certification and talk to them about where they get their training from and maybe i still will at some point but yeah it's and again, that's that's appealing to the lowest common denominator. It's if you hip hinge, you do things like deadlifts. If you don't teach them properly and they get a bad rap because you can get quite bad back injuries from doing deadlifts incorrectly. That doesn't mean that everybody should stop teaching them to pregnant women. If pregnant women don't have strength in their posterior chain, which is what deadlifts and hip hinging movements teach, their bodies will be an absolute mess. Because you, it's what you need to counterbalance this enormous weight that you're growing on the front of your body. And for that to be what trainers are being taught at the moment, it's horrifying. It's completely horrifying. So there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done. But these conversations are fantastic because this is, you know, the beginning of it. More conversations like I this are happening now. I know they are. Yeah. Um, and one day, one day, uh, people will know that they can hip hinge all the way through pregnancy and they should. Also, like you said, it's like, so what, you don't hip hinge from 20 weeks plus, but when you go to pick up your child from the ground. Which, which is a hip hinge. hinge. <laughs> when you're changing their nappy, when you're feeding them, when you're picking them out of their crib, all of it is a hip hinge. So you stop training those muscles. Your body doesn't know how to perform that movement safely. And then you go to do it and then you just pull your back out. And then you've got a newborn and you've got a back injury and life is really, really bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like what you said, you don't have time for these injuries and post treatment if you could prehab it in the first place. And I think like what I heard from this other podcast, um, there was like, look, you're going to spend an awful lot of time postnatal sitting on your butt breastfeeding Mm -hmm. not being Mm -hmm. able to do all this movement so actually you're damage controlling by doing as much as you can to Mm. like and it's not it's not even about the look there's nothing to do with aesthetics it's much about you know being able to stabilize your pelvis being able to move how you would need to move in your day-to-day life Mm. as a mother but also you'll find probably they said that labor is generally a nicer experience. I don't know how you can say nice. I've not been no. labor, but it's no, I don't know how you can use that word of labor. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a nice thing, but it, it's a, a better experience of it having trained um, and probably find that you're more mobile for longer. Like now, you're how long are you? Quite far, far along now, aren't you? I'm 27 weeks. Yeah, something and like you're, that you know, moving and shaking. And it's not to say that people, if they aren't able to do that, that's, you know, not that dissing them for any reason, but it's just to say that we can do whatever we can to be able to keep ourselves strong, Mm. healthy, moving. And, you know, that, that important part is, is, Play, is um, played with things like cardio training and strength training. It doesn't have to be lifting heavy, doing Olympic lifts. It doesn't moving uh things like pilates yoga whatever your jam is mm. and i think we what we've i've spoken to a lot of people about is just they think that they have to change their whole entire direction of what they're doing oh my god no do whatever you enjoy just move i definitely find that the bigger i get if i don't move if i don't do some sort of exercise in whatever shape or form even if it's just a walk my i get so stiff 
and so tight and I feel awful. Um, and that is exponentially worse the further through pregnancy I get, um, for me anyway. And I, I know that's the, the case for a lot of pregnant women. Yeah, it's important. Um, I'm going to wrap up in just a second because um, I'm mm. cautious of time. But the last one I was going to ask, I think we have that uh, kind of don't like talking about it too much. So I'm just a bit like, ugh, it's just kind of done. But like that whole pinging back into your body shape after you give birth. And I think yeah. it's nice to be able to be really open about how long that process takes to get back from giving a ba- giving birth to feeling yeah. fit in your normal self well and again that it's so individual um it will vary by a factor of years between women for me it took it was a good 15 months for me before I felt even vaguely that I I resembled the the um the body I had before but also just the the ability that I had before um it was a long time it took me a long time to get in back into the routine of exercising I just couldn't figure it out I couldn't figure out how to do the newborn thing how to sleep how to get like, housework done how to dress and wash myself and exercise I just it took that was about eight months before I kind of was like right here's my rhythm and then I got back into it um I have to say that the second time round, we had this conversation the other day. I'm, I'm much more relaxed about it because I, I know that it is possible to get your strength back, to get your fitness back. And even though first time round, people were telling me this left, right, and center, I found it difficult to believe. You know, I was like, oh, I've got to hold on to my strength. I've got to hold on to it. And, you know, that's sort of what defines me. And and I was a bit more neurotic about it, but this time I know things will be okay in the end and even though it's you know a long-term goal you know I was saying this to my husband last night I know it'll be a good year plus before my body goes back to how I feel comfortable in it um it's just patience and knowing it will happen but it's okay if it takes years it will probably for most most women take years um but it's amazing you've made a baby that's just insane I still think it's insane that we've made babies um so yeah don't rush it that's that's the worst thing you can do if you try and rush it um it'll probably oh my headphones are can you still hear me yeah okay my headphones are making noises like they're about to die on me don't rush your recovery there. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, okay. I was going to do four quick fire questions. We'll see if your headphones mm-hmm. hold out. Um, who's your favorite mentor, coach, or inspiration? Um, in this area, uh, I would have to say it's a woman called Sarah Duval. I'm doing one of her courses at the moment. You can find her on Instagram. D-U-V-A-L-L is her surname. Um, I'm doing her pregnancy and postpartum corrective exercise specialist course. She her brain, I just cannot understand how much information she carries around in her head. She's a physio, she's a trainer, she knows everything pregnancy related. She's a genius. I'm just in awe of her. Sarah Duval. Fabulous. Uh, most influential book that you've read, I guess, maybe more in this field? Uh, oh, God, in this field. Well, this is so difficult because, be your field. firstly, this always changes depending on what I'm interested in at the time. And also I have like book Alzheimer's where about six months after I've read a book, it's just like, I've forgotten I've read it. I have to say, I'm reading two books at the moment that are fascinating. One of them is um, The Joy of Movement, um, which is all about why it's so powerful for us to train together um, and anthropologically why it's so ingrained in us that movement brings us so many positive benefits. applicable to pregnancy and not pregnancy it's amazing um, i'm also reading the constellation um of philosophy which is completely randomly not related to fitness but uh a really really interesting read um i think it's it's you know having a thoughtful life and thinking about why it is we're here and the reasons we do things mm-hmm. we do and the choices we make um is important ah. so very random but they're two excellent books i would i would highly recommend both of them Okay, love that. Uh, I've got two more very quick, quick fire and then we're done. Um, what is a habit or a ritual that you do daily or most days that you swear by? 
exercise. Fabulous. I I would, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, last one is what is your favourite way to move your soul? Kim, you can't <laughs> ask me a question like this to end with. <laughs> I think I'd, I, it's got to be lift some weights or yeah. go out and be in nature. I don't really care what kind of nature it is, a mountain, a forest, the sea, whatever. Get Go out and be in nature. Lovely. Amazing. Oh, sorry. It's been so wonderful to chat to you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, My just pleasure. Last little thing. Where can people find you? Talk about what you've got going on, your pregnancy bundle, et cetera. Um, uh, everything's on my website which is zoeshelley.com um, you can find me on Instagram I've just changed my handle god what is it it's something like underscore That's Zoe silly. underscore Shelley underscore I'd add all the bloody underscores to get my full name in um, on Instagram you can always contact me on Instagram I, I try and get back to all my DMs on Instagram um, and yes if you're interested in uh, if you're pregnant um, I've got two things I've got a training for two guide which is a, an ebook. Um, it's not a workout program right so a lot of people think oh, is it going to give me a whole bunch of workouts it's the the bit that tells you what's going on with your body um, so that you can apply this information to whatever kind of training you're doing because we all train differently and I don't want to prescribe you have to do exercise when you're pregnant um, so that's if you're kind of more slightly more on the nerdy side interests you to really find out how our bodies are working um, and then I have uh it's called a Kickstarter Pregnancy Bundle, which I did together with a good friend of mine here in Canada, who's the most amazing yoga teacher. Um, and we put together uh, a series of um, sort of fitness workouts that I did and yoga um, sessions that she did that are tailored specifically for the first half of pregnancy. So up to around 20 weeks, very fluid, depending on the size of your bump and how you're feeling. Um, and we do have plans to do another bundle for kind of the later stages of pregnancy. Um, so those are workout videos that you can follow along with at home if that's interesting for you. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like I said, I'm not just saying it. I absolutely love the ebook and I'm currently using the bundle. I'm 18, so I'm getting up to my 20. So if you can record the other the ones faster, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> you can still do that. I'm still doing some of the first up to 20 week workouts now and I'm 27 weeks. What did I say? 27. Wow. You can keep going for a while. Thanks. Um, I really loved hosting you. It's always such a pleasure to chat and pick your brain about this wonderful stuff. And I honestly really, really um, admire you for the work that you're doing and making this a safe space that feels a bit more normal for us preggy ladies. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. So nice to speak to you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure you give us a follow to be the first in the know when the next podcast drops. This is your place to connect with your mind, empower yourself to tap into what moves your soul on a daily basis. If you want more information about my coaching, monthly membership offerings, as well as events, please do check out kimhartwell.com and kimhartwell on Instagram. And don't forget to rate this podcast five star to help us spread the move your soul message. See you soon, guys. <laughs>